Hi, I'm Jeff Grayson. This is the second half of a two-part interview. The guys have left the locker room. The halftime adjustments have been made. I think we can expect nothing less than 110%. It's season four of the Bait and Switch podcast. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch podcast. My name is Jim Martin, along with my co-host, as always, Chris Beyer. Hello. Tonight, we have a national touring comedian on with us who hails from the fine suburb of Chicago, Illinois, called Berwyn. His name is Mike Stricker. He was on our show last week, if you happen to tune in last week. However, you're going to have to wait for a moment. He's going to be left in our waiting room while we talk about Columbus, Ohio. Because, Chris, Columbus, Ohio is our featured city this week. We've gotten a ton of downloads from Columbus, Ohio. It's one of our big markets for our podcast. Huge. Yeah, we really appreciate it. I mean, it's for weeks, week after week, I've noticed the stats out of Columbus, Ohio. The Hawkeyes yeah. State. The Hawkeyes. Right. A lot of lot of flat fields there. I've driven right. through there a lot of times on the way to Missouri. Yeah, so you got the Ohio Caucus. That was the first yeah. one. Capitals, Des Moines. Yep. Lovely state. Lovely state. state. So, yeah. so we really appreciate all the listeners in Ohio. Yep. Hey, you know, I don't know if I talked to you it's, uh, here recently, but finally got the COVID. I, uh, is that how this, I got the COVID? Really? Yeah, I got COVID. Welcome to the club. Yeah, you, know, you had it. <laughs> it was a real mild case. It, it kind of felt like a pebble in my shoe. I haven't heard that uh, description of, of an, a symptom, but you know what? It sort of feels like everything that you have might be a symptom of COVID. So yep. I, I'm pretty sure you had it. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. It was just kind of that pebble in the shoe thing. And then I had a fever 112. I went to the hospital for a couple of days. But anyway, let's move on. I want to get to Mike Stricker. Mike, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Nice talking to you guys again. It's been a while. <laughs> for our listeners, it's been a whole week. We got it. You know, we always do the to be continued thing. You know, I used to hate that when I was a kid watching those shows. All of a sudden, you'd know they were not going to get to the end of the show. And my heart starts racing. Like, oh, no, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. And then here comes to be continued. Like, Crap, I got to wait a whole week. I, I look younger than I actually am. But I remember watching okay. shows like that. And then I remember also the following week, it would be worse because they would just repeat that episode from the week before. Like they weren't ready with the new ones sometimes. Right. Or then even worse, you, you forget because they move it another week and you forget about it. And then oh, you never do see the thing. And like, oh. and there's no going back streaming back then. There was no streaming. Or, you know, we lived a rough life back then when we were kids. It was, it was hard. It was tough. Yeah. Well, we introduced you as a national touring comedian. Uh, let me just get this out of the way. Do you got a day job as well or is comedy your one and only thing? I have a day job because uh, I don't have TV credits, so I need a day job. The day job is one of those like nine to fives, and it takes care of everything I need to take care of so that I can go be dad and comedian and whatever. When I leave at five o'clock, they don't call me unless that place is burning down on the ground. I feel like they still wouldn't call me if they happened. So if it's burning down, don't call me. There's nothing I can do. I'm not a fireman. What can, what can I do? You know, come tell jokes at the fire. You know, like, right. what can I do? You know? right. Oh right. right. Yeah. Roast marshmallows. I don't know, but you know, don't yeah. call me. Yeah. Nice. So you're national touring comedian. Where you been? Who you been with? Tell us a little bit about your show. Yeah, so uh, I've been doing comedy since 2012, so I'm coming up on my uh, 10-year anniversary next nice. year, which is very fun. I've got this thing I want to do where I want to do shows in all 50 states. I have no intention of stopping anytime soon. I, I love every minute of it. So far, I've been to 31 states. Hawaii was amazing. Done the Las Vegas Strip, uh, New York City. I'm going to Florida and a couple others before the end of the year. So I think I'll be up to 35 
and then the plan is to try to do Alaska next year. Can you write it off uh, then? I don't. I don't know. Might <laughs> look know. into that. Now my goal is to try to get all the expenses covered. Like when I go places, just because just being able to travel is a lot of fun. In terms of like who I've worked with and stuff, uh, I think the main thing that people say is I've opened all over the country for some of the jackass guys, which has been really fun. Oh wow! Uh, cool. Preston Lacey's probably one of my two best friends in comedy, which is crazy. He's the uh, the big guy from Jackass. So nice. Uh, big guy, big heart, uh, just an incredible human being. And he, we did our first show ever with him in Wisconsin, actually. That's, that's where I met him. We connected and we started doing shows and we've been doing shows together for like five years. And I've been able to work with, you know, four or five of the other guys too through him. And, uh, I just opened for Chris Catan a couple months ago, uh, from Saturday Night Live. That was, that was top two most fun shows I've ever done. That was really fun. That's Um, awesome. My co-host, Chris, has often been told that he looks like Chris Kattan. Yep. I don't see it, uh, you but you know, <laughs> you're, you're it's on a screen. The screen yeah. really messes you up, you know. Do, do yeah. like a little head nod while you're talking, so I can yeah, get there, like yeah, a visual. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanna I wanna apologize. I didn't go on YouTube to to seek out some of your material. Are you on YouTube? Where could our listeners go find some of your material? Um, I'm trying to keep a lot of it off because I'm hoping to do an album in the next year or two, but I've got some older stuff on YouTube and some of that will probably make the album. I've been trying to like adamantly like keep stuff off. So I don't think I've uploaded maybe more than like a video or two in the last like year or two, but I'm planning on putting out some like individual jokes with like subtitles and stuff. You've been seeing a lot of like comedians do that lately. I just think I need to get a few more out there. Uh, there's a few on YouTube, but uh, I mostly would encourage people to, to uh, come out to the live show. Okay. And uh, so the live show, where's your next live show? Uh, my next live show actually from today is in Berwyn uh, next week. So my hometown, uh, that's that's where I grew up. I, I live like 15 minutes from there now. So it's at a brewery that I've been doing shows monthly there for probably about two or three years but this is actually our first show back from covid there next thursday so that'll be a lot of fun and then uh that that's kind of it for august august is kind of a slow month for comedy but uh next month uh i'm going to florida and then i've got three nights of shows with mick foley from wwe which i'm like incredibly excited about cool he's uh top five people on my bucket list i've wanted to work with doing comedy so to to be doing that next month's really fun those are a few that are upcoming too. So, so awesome. August in general, not a funny month. Um, I think it's summertime and like I've had more shows get canceled this month than I actually had shows happen. People want to be outside and people certainly want to be out after being, you know, indoors for a year and not being able to like see people and stuff and, you know, go listen to music outside. Like it's, it's a little hard to compete with, but I think most comedians will tell you that August is probably one of the toughest months of the year to have a calendar full of shows that you would have other months. So maybe that's what they're telling you. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> it's a tough, yeah. tough month, Mike. August, you know, yeah. September, <laughs> yeah. October too is rough. November, tough. Fall is not funny. Winter's tough. Short window over there. But hey, <laughs> let me ask you this. What style of comedian are you? Who have you been compared to in terms of your material? A few people. Uh, I think when I first started, people said Mitch Hedberg all the time. because I've got this kind of like quirky tone and a lot of my stuff's silly. I'm not trying to change your opinion about politics or, or anything. Cause I don't, I don't talk about that. Like during my show, like a lot of it's just like fun, silly stuff, observational stuff. 
I don't like to make fun of like people for things that they don't have control over. Uh, just cause I don't think that's like fair. Like I know that people You're can get away so with much. It. Yeah, I know. Right. Like, I don't know. That's just, that's it's a boatload of material. I, just want, I want to try to be a little bit different, you know, but still saying like true the craft, like writing a joke, writing a punchline, but I'm not talking about all the same stuff that everyone else is talking about. I, I don't have a bunch of COVID jokes, you know, I don't have political jokes. I'm not trying to preach to you about, you know, stuff that like Carlin could do or like, you know, Richard Pryor could do because I'm not those guys and nobody is those guys. You know, I think people will see these like old time comics who got like really philosophical and they're like, yeah, we should all be doing that. It's like, no, like if you don't have people laughing, maybe you should just focus on that until you're in the top percent of the top percent like those guys were you know so um so i think my style is just kind of like who am i and what do i want to do if i were to go see a comedy show i i'm a dad with a day gig and i do stand-up comedy and i bust my ass every day and if i take a night to go out and go to a show i probably got a sitter i'm paying the sitter and i'm going out to see a show and i just want to get my mind off everything you know what i mean like i don't want to be hearing about all this stuff that I'm turning off the radio and the news and my social media is on. I just want to escape all that for a couple hours, have a few drinks and laugh with my wife and friends and whoever else comes out. So that's, that's my approach to how I hit the stage. Like people take the time to come out and see us. And I think after like, after COVID it really kind of put it into perspective, like what an honor it is for people to pick you as their plans for the night, you know, like it's so awesome. Like people could be doing tons of stuff or maybe they don't have a lot of options if they're in like some rural place, but they take a chance to come out to see the show. So I just want to get their mind off all that stuff. I want them to feel good and I want them to laugh and have a good time. And just relax a little bit. Like that, that's kind of my whole approach. That, that sounds very cool. Um, have you, so unlike my uh, counterpart over there, I did happened to catch you on YouTube a little bit. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but, and they were, it was old, you know, but which is fine, yeah. whatever, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's cool. I get to get to see you and a little bit of what you're about. Now, I'm not sure if you're still doing these kind of jokes, stuff like that, but a couple of things you said were like a little bit racy, a little bit on the, on the edge. I was just yeah. a little bit curious if you've ever had any backlash about any jokes that might be a little bit like kind of on that line. Um, I think I, I think I walked that line a little bit more at first and it's because the place I started doing comedy at, they call it like one of the toughest rooms in Chicago and it's in Berwyn. It's called Cigars and Stripes. It's a, it's a really great room, but the audience isn't going to give you anything even at the open mic. Like they've seen everything. There's no like shock value to them. Like, so I think when I first started, I got some laughs, but then I saw people getting those Oh, reactions. And I think I got caught up in that a little bit at the beginning where it's like, oh, cool. I'm getting a reaction out of them. Like, Mm -hmm. but the truth is that that's not the job. You want them to laugh. So I try to play with the line a little bit to where it's kind of like, you're almost like dancing on it. Like, like, is he going to cross the line? Where is he going with this? And I think it's significantly improved from, you know, the, the YouTube stuff out there. Um, I haven't gotten a lot of like really bad feedback on jokes. One time I was at a show and I told a joke about Redbox, like the, the movie rental company. Mm-hmm. And apparently this guy in the audience was really pissed because he worked for Blockbuster and he felt that Redbox was responsible for 
blockbuster going out of business. Oh, and I'm no, like, it's Netflix. He's wrong. It's Netflix. <laughs> yeah, it was to- oh, totally Netflix. You know, but I think at the time, like Netflix was still doing like the mail thing for the most part. And I actually did work for Redbox for seven years. Uh, that was the first joke I ever writ ever because I was working for their corporate office at the time, okay. uh, which is kind of fun. And so like, I was like, man, I was like, you know, of all the things I talked about tonight and like, he was drunk too. And this was like a charity show for like a woman who had oh, cancer. No. Oh. And this dude was just wrecked. And like, I didn't really like know how to deal with it. It's like, he wanted to fight. And I was just like, this was not the joke that I thought was going to, I was like, there's nothing like you can actually really be bothered by in this joke. And I remember like, eventually he just kind of like calmed down or got drunk and wandered away. But I remember I got in my car and I was leaving and uh, I was driving past the place and uh, I saw him standing outside and just for a fact, I thought it'd be fun to scream F blockbuster right as I was driving past the guy. You know? <laughs> nice. uh, and I, I think, you know, it's weird being this close to Chicago, you get people who don't like jokes just because it's a certain topic. Like you could tell a joke maybe about like a transgender person and the joke isn't like mean, but because you are not directly in that community, if you're in downtown Chicago, they hate it. And they'll come up to you afterwards and be like, Hey, that's not cool. They won't be like rude. They'll just be like, that's not cool. But then you go to some like middle of nowhere town and you test out the same joke. Cause again, you're working on like, figuring out what's going to work with all your audiences, what's working with some of them. And like, they laugh really hard. And I I don't do a ton of jokes like that, but I've seen it a ton too with like other comics. So just um, nothing's a guy pulled a hammer out on me one time. I don't remember if that was related to a joke or if he was just really that drunk, but uh, you know, just these, these happen, you know, maybe he was working on the stage. Uh, (laughs) How about, how about this? Have you ever had a joke that you wrote that you were just, dead certain was funny that you and your mind thought that this joke really deserves an audience and it just does not go over. Oh, probably over a thousand jokes in the last like decade. No doubt. I mean, more than half of them are not keepers, especially when you're someone who, you know, I'm in my first 10 years and maybe, you know, if you have like Seinfeld at this point, you know, who's done so much in his career, he could just kind of pull a winner out of his butt all the time because he's just so good. But like early on, like, oh, like 95% of it was failing. I'd say these days, probably like two thirds of it is just not going to work. But, you know, I'll, I'll take it to open mics and I'll test it. And I kind of try to see how far I can go with it. And then I do this thing where like I'll sandwich it on a show because sometimes open mic audiences don't like reflect the audience that like pays for a ticket, right? And that, that's the audience I care about. I don't care about impressing a room full of 30 comedians waiting for their, you know, three minutes on stage and like four drunk people at the bar who don't care. I care about that audience who intentionally came out to see a comedy show, who paid money to see the show. And I want to, you know, make it worth their while. And so if I feel like a joke has gotten to a point where I feel like it's got like it's got potential, I'll sandwich it in at a live show. And so what I'll do is I'll tell a joke that I'm really comfortable with that I know hits. And then I'll throw that joke in with the idea being that if the joke just bombs, I have another really go right after it so I can recover and then move on with the show. But if that joke does well, I have another great joke right afterwards to make the whole thing awesome. So that's kind of like my approach to uh, 
you know, writing jokes and kind of building them and getting them ready for like shows that are like important stuff like that. Sure. Almost like kind of a little, little safety net for yourself, right? Yeah. If this yeah. fails, it's okay. I got it. I got it back. Up. That's cool. What's the biggest audience you perform for? Um, probably like five or 700 people. Okay. Uh, I've probably done that probably a couple dozen times maybe, but, uh, I don't think I've quite hit a thousand at a show yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, that could happen. Absolutely. Oh, well, happen eventually, happen. right. Yeah. I mean, eventually yeah. you, you, yeah. you've worked a couple super spreaders. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'd imagine uh, in your if you allow yourself to dream uh, that someday you can ditch uh, the day job. Do you think that there's a chance that this might be your main gig at some point in the future? Um, I think it's possible. I think uh, right now I've got to be family oriented too. You know, uh, and uh, comedians will sit there and it's like comedy is all they're doing, but most of us are lying about that. Most comedians have something that they have to do that they probably don't want to do. So they could do this at night. And uh, if you want it bad enough, you can make it work. But uh, I'm kind of in a crossroads. I've got a two-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old son. They're, they're important to me. And I think uh, there's comedians who quit comedy forever because they can't balance that with family. So they pick family. And there's really, really horrible comedians who give up their family responsibilities to go after comedy. And those are terrible, terrible people. I want to work really hard and do all of it. Let's just clarify that Mike's wife is behind right. him. <laughs> I, I will tell you guys with every fiber of my being, I'm a very nice person, but if you have family responsibilities to your spouse and children and you give those things up to chase your dreams, no matter how successful you become, I will always think you're a loser. A lot that's, that's of lonely a, uh, old road comics out there, you know? Right. That's, that's a good perspective. I, don't think you have a website. Is that correct? Uh, no, I, I do everything through social media. Uh, okay. And I probably shouldn't have a website. I know a lot of comedians do, but uh, uh, I did social media professionally for seven years. And I did that before I, I started doing stand-up. And okay. I feel like people just want to, they want to find you where they're at. So I got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, uh, you know, I keep it pretty organized on those things, but I just do it off of three of those things. I know they're like, oh, pro comics should have a website. It's like, I know, and I'm, I'm sure that I could, uh, it's really not that difficult to do, but it's just, you know, you've already got three different ways to find me on the internet. And then you got my personal profiles on top of that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to keep it simple and keep it where people are at. You're thinking that you can build them a website. Is that what this is about, Jim? Yeah, well, I was I was going that. Yeah, yeah. If you need this, a website, Mike, I mean, you know, I, yeah, I might be able to hook you up with something. A small is this what's small known fee. as motivated salesmanship? <laughs> this this is actually the bait and switch. We bring yeah, you on the show right. so Jim can sell you on his services. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, see, oh, yeah. Yes, we bring on our show so that we can pitch him on ideas that we want to get in the pocket book. That's right. So, Mike, what's it going to take to get you in a website today? <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, Mike, uh, we want to thank you for being on our show. We had fun the first uh, first half hour, and fun the second half hour. We we look forward to seeing more of your stuff online, and maybe someday we'll see you in person at one of these shows. Yeah, if you're ever, ever up here in Milwaukee, let us know. I mean, I'm sure we'll be first on your list, you know, to let know. But yeah, just yeah, make sure. Yeah, yeah because Milwaukee. I think I'm going to be in Oshkosh in November, uh, but the show isn't announced yet. But it's actually going to be like the the biggest show I've done in Wisconsin. Uh, and uh, you could talk to Lyle Sydney if you want the info because I know Fox Daily Comedy is running it. Okay. Um, 
Milwaukee, I, I've been a couple times. Uh, it's just been a little while. I think I've just been trying to kind of spread my wings a bit, but I love Milwaukee. Uh, I've done the, uh, the Potawatomi up there before. That oh, sure. mm-hmm. bonker is super fun. I've done some shows with the, uh, the folks who run the laughing tap. I haven't done the laughing tap yet, but I'm, I'm hoping at some point, uh, they're really awesome. Yeah. I love what they're doing up there. And, Matt, uh, Matt Kempel, do you know Matt Kempel? Matt's the only one I haven't met in person. Oh, okay. but I know Caitlin, I know Greg, and they're they're wonderful. I know they're all awesome, and they they love comedy, and they're they're working really hard to do it right. So it's just it's really cool to see. So, yeah. Matt, well, Matt Kibble, previous guest yep. on the show. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. <laughs> yeah, thanks, yeah, you, Mike. Goodbye, but you don't have to hang up. We can talk a couple minutes after the show. So, we'll say good night for the show for now. All right. Sounds good, guys. Thank you, thanks, Mike. Okay. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch Podcast when we talk with golf instructor Mike Bavito. You've made it to the end of yet another Bait and Switch podcast. Spread the word.